Hello, lovely human. I'm Wiley, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where lovers learn from each other's stories of making love so we can all lead better laid lives. Our guests today are a couple in an open relationship. She is 21, Australian with Eurasian heritage, a bisexual cis woman who's into bondage, domination, role play, pain, and pleasure, and works as an artist. He is 34, Australian with Irish heritage, straight, shares his partner's kinks, and works as a sex and dating coach. From Brisbane, Australia, welcome Emmy and Andy. Hello. Hi. Let's start out by telling the audience if you had to rate yourself today on a sexual shame-o-meter with 10 being the most full of shame and one being the least full of shame, where do you fall right now? I'm probably starting at about a three, and I'd say that probably doesn't change a whole lot. And I think, yeah, there's just a little bit of wiggle room for, I don't know, I guess I'd call it like social decorum, but that's about the extent of it. Okay. Yeah, it changes per person, doesn't it? Like, if I'm talking to a Catholic priest, my shame is going to be like an eight. No, right now, in this moment, talking to me. One or two. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, if we're talking like right this moment, um, mine's going down as well. Like probably two. Ooh, okay, okay. Oh, see, I love these details. Okay. And then can you guys just give us a little overview of what your sex life is like right now? Well, at this point in time, Andy and I see girls together. I think we've got two girls that we're seeing a little bit more ongoing mm-hmm. at the moment because that's something we prefer. Yeah. Yeah, less once-off sort of things and more... I guess getting to know a girl and almost establishing a mentoring type dynamic. And so we just share girls together and that's the extent of it. Yeah, I can pretty much agree with all of that. If you want an actual answer of like how good it is, I'm pretty damn happy. For a long time, I didn't think I'd even have like a happy relationship Mm -hmm. because my first two relationships were miserable. The sex was very like average. So I'm far beyond what I ever thought was ever possible. So pretty happy. Okay. And people always like to know, since you're a couple right here, how often do you have sex? How does that work for you? How do you measure it? How long does it last? Okay. In terms of like the two of us, I don't know, like three times a week. Okay. Turns how busy we are. And then we'll we'll see each of the girls that we're seeing maybe like once a week, maybe once every two weeks. Depends how busy we are. Okay. So is it more scheduled or is it more free-flowing? With the two of us, it's definitely more free-flowing. Uh-huh. It's more whenever the urge strikes, but obviously with introducing somebody else, you do have to line up date, time, that sort of thing. Okay. Definitely not super strict. It's more just like, when is everyone free? What works? What do we feel like? And can you each just give us a definition of what the word sexy means to you? I think for me, it depends. I think I have a masculine version of sexy and a feminine version. I guess because what I'm attracted to in men is different to what I'm attracted to in women. If we're going for like really generic, I'd say somebody that has a level of confidence and is in touch with, I guess, themselves and their own body. But I think the most important part is that they're more just like a friendly, open-minded, sexually curious person. They're willing to try a lot of things and then is also quite, I guess, sexual themselves. I think for men, I do definitely prefer a more like traditionally masculine, more dominant role and then for women what I find very attractive is probably a more sweet and gentle personality just for the girls that we like to see together we definitely go for girls roughly around my age so tend to be a little bit more experienced maybe they're trying something for the first time Mm -hmm. because I think in women we're both really attracted to teaching and mentoring girls and kind of exploring with them and do you mean teaching and mentoring sexually like absolutely sexually but then obviously 
when you're having a chat after sex and they're talking about their lives or like various other things, just giving them advice or anything like that. Okay. Okay. And Andy, what's your answer? I'm very attracted to a girl who's submissive, but then I'm even more attracted to, obviously, once there's mutual attraction there and you're both, you know, physically attracted to each other. I very much like affection and someone who's like very giving and very like loving with their affection. They don't hold back, you know, they give compliments. They tell you, I'm very happy to see you. You know, you make me feel good, like all that kind of stuff. So, so someone who's very like open and vocal and yeah, giving. So let's first get an overview of Andy's life and then we'll go to Emmy's. Andy, take us back to your early years. When do you first remember hearing about sex and what do you remember understanding about it? I don't know why, but I was very terrified of sex. I grew up very like puritanical. I wasn't religious, neither was my family, but I think the template I saw of sex was very tied into love, as in everyone in my family was very like loving and affectionate. And my template of sex was it has to be very loving. It has to be all of that. And so even in school, I can remember when they started actually teaching us what sex physically is like, you know, here, here's the penis, here's the vagina, all of that kind of stuff. I really didn't like the way they taught us. It felt very clinical and almost like wrong. Okay. I felt very defacing isn't the right word, but they were like vandalizing my idea of what sex and intimacy and stuff was based on the template. Back up. You already had an idea. Where did the idea come from? Like, I hear you talk about the home environment, but like, do you remember the moment where you were like, oh, I know what this is? Or was it just an idea of love? There, there was no actual moment. So my parents okay. never gave me the talk. No one ever gave me the talk. And oh. I can remember in like grade seven at school, they showed us like a little cartoon of like boys and girls and stuff like that. That was yeah. about my first real introduction of like, oh, you know, boys and girls hold hands. That's what sex is. Yeah. And then from there, I kind of just like, almost like by osmosis, I was just picking up on other people's idea of sex and talking about sex. So I never got a talk or anything. Okay. Like Did you ever like see anything on a movie or like in a magazine? Like there, there was like kissing and stuff in movies for sure. Like some of that I had like friends, you know, even when I was like, you know, 11, 12 and stuff that would hold hands and stuff like that. So, so just kind of like, again, I wish I had like a good origin story for you, but I kind of don't. It's okay. just like, just picked stuff up. And then at some point found, you know, pornography and that kind of added a little bit. But yeah. So you, the vibe in your house was loving, but it also sounds like your parents didn't talk about sex explicitly. Correct. That, okay. Okay. And I think they just thought that school will teach me that stuff because later on they did talk about it. But that was when I was like 16, 17, 18. Yeah, that's that was kind of like mine too. Um, and did you have siblings or friends that like had any knowledge that you benefited from? Not really, no, because most of my friends were very like nerdy. We were all like a bunch of nerds. We didn't have any interest in girls. We were we were busy playing games and sports and, and computing and all that sort of stuff. So didn't really pick up on anything it, until, like I said, pornography when I was about 14. 14. OK, so when do you first remember hearing about sex? I think I have a very similar story at the start as well. I would have been year five, so maybe about 10 years old. Again, it was a very similar thing. Like somebody came in that wasn't a teacher and they gave us it was like a illustrated children's book about <laughs> sex and that's the very simple breakdown i mean it's probably about as much as you can give to a 10 year old of like penis in vagina babies puberty that's probably about the extent of it but from the similar case as well i never had a talk from my parents okay i guess until recently is only when i really started talking about sex with my mum at all <laughs> that would have been around 10 and then Around the like 12 years old mark, when I was a kid, I used to be really into like Japanese culture. So we're talking like anime, manga. And 
as a child exploring the internet, that kind of organically led to, I guess, discovery of some pretty extreme stuff. And that's kind of where it started. So we're talking like hentai and things like that. Okay. Can you walk us through the specifics? How young do you remember being? What feelings do you remember having? What did you discover? What was the effect it had on your feelings? It really would have started with me just reading like romance, like manga and things like that. And then me, I guess, being drawn to things that were slightly more romantic or even just like hinting at sexuality. Mm -hmm. And then I think I progressively went and sought out things similar to that. And I even remember at the time when I was typing in things to search for, I didn't know a lot of the words for things. (laughs) Like I didn't know what masturbation was and I didn't Mm -hmm. know. Like (laughs) It was kind of just this progression of me discovering what certain things were or what I was curious about. Mm And then over the next couple of years from that point, I probably did go down a bit of a rabbit hole because things can escalate pretty quickly. In that respect, I remember, I guess, consuming a lot of yaoi, so like gay, male, but it was all, it was all like anime and manga. So like animated, I didn't really delve into actual porn for, I think, until a few years after that. Okay. But I think from all that, it definitely gave me some interesting... (laughs) ideas about I guess certain kinks again this is probably all around like the let's say like 12 to 14 type age range because there's like lots of I guess like role play and domination and BDSM like some pretty full-on stuff all of that definitely got explored and I guess from that point it was wait do you remember how you felt about it when you were like seeing it for the first time like what emotions stirred inside of you yeah (laughs) I remember at first I was like, I knew that there was definitely something like I shouldn't be looking at this, like this is Mm. wrong or a little bit full on or a little bit fucked up. Okay. And it was the sort of thing, I think maybe the first, second time I looked at it, explored, and then I probably felt quite a bit of shame. And I was like, Mm. I shouldn't have done that. That was like wrong or like not right or not okay. But I think a week would pass and that like curiosity would pipe up and I'd kind of casually explore that more and more until it got to the point where obviously I wasn't telling anybody about it but I was kind of just exploring and I kind of given myself permission at that point I was like well I guess I'm enjoying this I started being I guess turned on by that sort of thing so I was Mm -hmm. like I'm going to like accept that I'm into this and obviously not tell the world about it but Mm -hmm. that it's okay that this is something that I do okay do you remember where the shame feelings came from definitely not where it came from because I don't at least I couldn't in this moment pinpoint any point in which somebody told me that sex was bad or wrong it was just I think the nature of what I was looking at quite often was quite obviously it's all fictitious but it could be quite violent or abusive or like extreme so I think you get taught like as a child that like violence and gore or anything like that it's like that's not a good positive thing. When did you discover your bisexual self? I think the first time I remember having an experience where I was just like checking a girl out. I used to do cheerleading as a kid and a girl that I was partnered up with to stunt, she she was like reasonably attractive. <laughs> I just remember checking out her ass and thinking mm-hmm. like she like she looks really good and then thinking like is that like a gay port? Like maybe. Mm. <laughs> and then I think as I got a little bit older, so probably talking like late teens, like 15, 16, 17, I was watching more porn and I liked, 
I definitely wasn't opposed to like lesbian porn or anything like that. First time I actually tried something was rather drunkenly with a close friend of mine. Mm. I stayed the night at her place and we were drunk and so we like fooled around and I went down on her and because we both knew we were or at least thought we were bisexual, had never tried anything but had the sense that we were, were into girls and I guess it went from there. Okay. And it sounds like you talked about it ahead of time if you both were or was it just something that happened? It was definitely just something that happened. Um, just because we were, we were close friends, we'd talked about like sexuality and dating and all of that. Mm-hmm. And we both knew the other person was into girls. It's mm. just, it's not, it's definitely not something we discussed doing okay. together okay. because after it happened, we didn't really talk about it. Oh, how did that feel to you? It was fine. I Actually, I've learned in retrospect that she had various sexual shame issues herself. So that was probably why she didn't really talk about it. I definitely didn't feel any guilt or shame. It was just that it didn't really feel like there was a need to bring it up. And funnily enough, actually, we ended up, it's a bit of a story, but we ended up moving in together just as like as housemates, not Mm -hmm. like in any other way. It was just like as friends, as housemates. We lived together for a while and never really spoke about it, actually. Oh, okay. But it's just like fine. Yeah, fine. Normal, really. (laughs) I know that it's normal for most people, but it makes absolutely no sense to my brain. Um, So that's why I just always ask people. So it sounds like your family is like conservative-ish. How are they with the idea of you being with women? I wouldn't say they're conservative. It's more just that sex wasn't really a topic that was brought up. Okay. It wasn't like it's bad or wrong. It's just it just wasn't mentioned until recently. So I haven't told my dad I could and I wouldn't care a great deal, nor do I think he would care. It's just I'm not necessarily super close with my dad anyway. I did tell my mum and my younger brother and it was just like really a, a non-discussion. I like casually like offhandedly mentioned it and she's like, yeah, cool. So she's, yeah, she's super open-minded. And I think as I've gotten a bit older and started dating and having sex and things like that, she's been much more open to that conversation and actually, I guess, told me things about herself that I didn't know. <laughs> Okay. Until recently. So I, I think just as me and my younger brother have gotten older, my mum has become a lot more comfortable with talking about that sort of stuff. I guess just because like we're older and it seems more appropriate now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's definitely shared some stuff that I was like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> when I basically accidentally kind of like impulsively came out as polyamorous, she was just like, oh, oh, well, because I was, she was pressuring me to go on a date with a boy. And I was like, maybe I don't want to date a boy. Like, like, and then she was like, what? And I was like, I, I cheated on my boyfriend with this couple. And, and she was like, oh, well, uh, uh, threesomes can be very fun. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> They're very sweet. What more support could you ask for? I want to jump back to Andy. How do you know you're straight? This is a question I want to ask all straight people. Like, when did you, you know, people only ask, like, when did you know you were gay or bisexual? But like, when did you know you were straight? When did I know I was straight? I don't think I ever had a moment. It's like, it was like, it's like, when did I know I was white or when did I know I was ginger? It just felt like that was an immovable truth. Okay. Like I never went through, I know a lot of guys go through like an experimental stage or, you know, stuff like that. For me, it was just like, why would I experiment with that? So you are not of the camp of like, got to try it three times before it's a no. That's not your vibe. No. Okay. It would be like putting my hand in the fire. It's the like, fire. I already know what will happen. Like if I put my hand in a fireplace, I already know it's going to get burned. And I felt like if I go and do something with a guy, I'm going to feel it's hard to explain. It's almost like I've done something I don't want to do just because I thought I should do it. Like using a person just to experiment? 
Yeah, and I feel a bit bad for like you know gay people as well, like gay guys and and lesbian girls, because I know a lot of them will go through this stage. Let me clarify. I saw that look on your face. Let me clarify. <laughs> it's a dangerous thing to say out loud. Like no, you know, should that's, organize. That's okay. okay. <laughs> I hope that's not taken out of context. A lot of them will go through because I have some gay mates. They'll go through a stage in college or high school or something where they think like, oh, I, everyone's telling me that I need to go out and at least try and be with the opposite gender. And so they'll try. I had a straight, uh, sorry, a gay friend who experimented with women for like six or seven times. And every time he would say, I hated myself. Why did I do that? I don't like this, but I feel this pressure to, to like make sure. Mm. And so I, I, that's yeah. the part I really feel bad for like yeah. gay and lesbian people who feel like they have this pressure to like do something they don't want to do just because like to make sure or something. It's like, if you know you don't want to do it, like why are you forcing yourself to do something that you don't want to do? So I felt that way to the same gender. Okay. Can you tell us a little bit about how you started discovering your own bodies solo and then maybe segue into early partnered experiences? I know we got a preview from Emmy, but just, um, yeah, Andy, start us off. Okay. I thought I was dying. There you go. That's my, that's my first exploration of masturbation. So when I was young, I think I would have been like 10. I was just like rubbing over my silk boxes, like my silk underwear. And that felt pretty good. So I tried that for a couple of months and each time I just do it for 20 minutes and then I go to sleep. It became like this nighttime ritual. It wasn't even sexual. Yeah. It's not like I was having sexual thoughts. It just felt good. And it yeah. felt like, I don't know, climbing a tree or something. So I did it for a while. And then for some reason, one night I was like, what happens if I just don't stop? I don't know where that thought came from. So I just started doing it. And then like it starts feeling better and better and something's happening and I have no words to describe what's happening. I'm still young. And then at some point I obviously have an orgasm and stuff comes out. I can feel it coming out. And that was the point where I'm like, oh my God, I've just broken something. I'm bleeding. I'm yeah. dying because right? oh. it's in the dark. And so my 400 IQ genius move was I'll go to bed and hopefully it will be fixed in the morning. So I struggle to go to sleep, but eventually after a couple of hours, I fall asleep thinking like I've just died. I've rubbed, my stomach has exploded or something. I wake up, I look down, there's nothing there. And I'm thinking like, thank God I don't have to tell mom and dad and go to hospital. And then I just didn't masturbate for like months after that. Cause yeah, I thought I broke something. Oh, well, when did you start again? I think I started again when I actually started looking at pornography, which would have been okay. like, you know, two or three years later. I think I just didn't do anything for like several years and then looked at pornography. And obviously, you know, you start getting urges, you yeah. get an erection. And then you think, well, should I touch that to like relieve the pressure? And then from there, you know, I figured out, okay, nothing bad happens if I masturbate. By that stage, I knew what orgasms and stuff were from school. Okay. Emmy, when did you first explore your body? I think my, my first exploration was definitely related to, I guess, like watching porn or consuming anything like sexual, like I talked before, like yeah. manga and anime and things like that. I was watching and reading before I'd actually started touching myself. Mm -hmm. So quite often I would literally just like just read something and then that would be the extent of it. And then I think as, you know, I was watching, I guess, people then like masturbate and have sex. That was kind of how I actually started exploring myself and realizing like, oh, there's actually like something down there and stuff goes in. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that was probably it. It was just like me in bed and figuring that out for Okay. But I guess that existed. It just, it wasn't even on my radar until like, until that point. Okay. I would love to hear from each of you too, and we'll get into more experiences, but how do you like to touch yourself? Uh, this point in time, when I do masturbate, I do really like using toys, vibrators. My favorite's definitely the one that I have is like the satisfier, but like those like clitoral, like air sucking mm -hmm. stimulating type toys. 
definitely somebody that's always really, really struggled to orgasm. Mm. Only had a handful of orgasms, like actually using my hands, all the rest have been with toys. Okay. When I do, if it's not using toys, primarily like clitoral stimulation, just like lots of rubbing in circles. Definitely really enjoy penetration. The other thing too, I think I have particularly sensitive nipples. Mm, okay. Even if like if Andy's like playing with my nipples, that can get me turned on very quickly and quite easily. And when you're doing the circles, is it like firm pressure or is it like over the top pressure or is it like a variation? I'm definitely somebody that enjoys like working up to like getting aroused slowly. So okay. like definitely starting off like slow, gentle, okay. over panties, things like that. And yeah. then as I get more turned on, it being rougher. And then by the end of it, yeah, I definitely do prefer something that's a bit more, I guess, like rough or at least firm pressure for sure. Okay. Okay. And is your clit fairly sensitive or is it, does it like need to wake up or how is it? As far as I guess from what we've seen with like other girls, it's probably not super sensitive. Oh, okay. And I think it's part of why it is sometimes hard for me to orgasm. Okay. Andy, same question. How do you like to touch yourself? This is a funny question. I actually prefer not to, to be honest. Like I, I do it, but it's more like a Okay, let me clarify that. I, I don't like doing it by myself. I prefer doing it with someone there. And so if you want an answer to that question, it's like with lube, always has to be with lube. Yeah. I'm uncircumcised. And so I find it way too sensitive if I don't use lube, especially yeah. like when you pull the foreskin down, it's just crazy sensitive, okay. like crazy. Sen- with like two fingers, you could make me come if you like went really slowly. Doing what? Like just pulling it down? No, no, no. If you like pull down and then just gently played with the tip. Real like sliding back and forth, you're making this motion. Yeah, Imogen's made me orgasm with just her tongue, like licking just the. I think it's called the frenulum. Frenulum. That bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, just like there. Takes like maybe ten minutes, but yeah, for sure I can come from that. Cool. Which feels like really goddamn yeah. good. So I prefer doing that like with a partner. Maybe when I'm going down on on Imogen or someone else, like. That's my favorite. Okay. Okay. So let's, let's, since you're very interested in talking about partnered experiences, let's talk about them. When did you get into them? Like, what was the transition from you originally touching yourself by yourself, watching porn? It sounds like in high school, you said you were 14 when you discovered porn. How did it transition? What was the transition into partnered explorations like for you? So because I had all these like notions of, I I was weird about sex, very puritanical, very like scared of it, all that kind of stuff. Mm. I didn't actually start anything till I was about like 19. So I had a girlfriend that we'd been boyfriend, girlfriend with for like, God, like, I guess you could say years, but it's not really a boyfriend, girlfriend, if you don't really hold hands or anything. It was like Mm. a friendship where we both had crushes on each other and we both knew that, but we just never really did anything about it. And so finally, by the time we were 19, we thought we should do this sex thing. Like this sex thing is, is everyone's talking about this sex thing. We took about like, three to six months of just exploring everything else. We did that kind of intentionally because we were both scared of sex. So we did Mm -hmm. oral, you know, we went down on each other, fingers, all that kind of stuff. She gave me like hand jobs, blow jobs, everything like that. And then eventually at some point we worked up to sex, which was like an absolutely horrific experience the first like 10 times we did it because I didn't know how condoms worked. Okay. So I thought the smaller the condom, the better it's going to feel. And so, oh my God. and I had nobody to ask about condoms yeah. and I wasn't going to ask my family. And so we went and got the smallest condoms that we could, like, like extra, extra, extra small. Why did you think that? Where did I you don't get... know. Cause I thought it would be tighter. I thought it would feel good. Oh, 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 okay. And so like okay. a balloon, we had to kind of stretch it and she had to pull one side and I had to pull the other to try and like pull it down over my penis, which as you're doing this is making like hurting. I was going to say, could you keep an erection? No. Yeah. 
And that's the wow. point. So we got it like halfway. We got it on, but then it's like it's cutting off all the blood circulation. And so like the tip is still hard because all the blood's trapped in there. But like the rest is floppy. And so now we're trying to have sex with like a floppy. It's like a, a wet noodle, mm-hmm. like a spaghetti. <laughs> and you have to kind of use your thumb to push it in, mm-hmm. sort of like like putty or something, try and squish it in there. I've had that sex, but like not because of the reason you did, which is sad for its own reasons. But okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that feeling. Poke so it your in. partners weren't as stupid as I was at that point in time. In my defense, that was my first <laughs> sexual experience. Yeah, no. Well, but, but that's why I want us to talk about that stuff, because I'm sure there's somebody out there that will avoid that experience because they heard you. I hope so. Guys, don't use like extra, extra, extra tiny condoms because you think they'll feel better. They don't. They feel worse. Yeah, yeah only use them <laughs> if you need them. Yeah. I guess my experience, like when I first did something with somebody else, was a bit of a weird one. I think I had, for whatever reason, decided I was 17 at the time. And for like the last couple of years, so we're talking like 16, 17, I was like, I need to lose my virginity. Like, I, I don't want it. I want it gone. Like, I had a male friend at the time neither of us had had sex and so we did except I had very very strange notions about I guess like romantic feelings and love I think coming from parents who had split and probably also the porn that I was watching it definitely wasn't loving or romantic in the slightest so I was adamant I was like no that's not for me not going to do that so the sex that I had with him I was just I was horribly drunk and I was very like lights are off no kissing like you're not going down on me it's just it's it's sex it's just sex penetration yeah and that was the first experience that I had and we did that a couple more times and each time it was like I don't know there was this sense of like a shame around it I think for various reasons it was body insecurity but also like it, it was almost like I had a need to have sex but I didn't want to get any sort of emotions tied up in it So it had to be this kind of clinical thing where I also had to be very, very drunk for it to, Mm. for me to be okay that it was happening. Yeah. It was not the most healthy introduction. Okay. For sure. You'd had an introduction with a woman before, at least at that point. Did you ever have any like other fool arounds before you got to like going all the way? No, that was, so yeah, there was the one experience with one of my friends Okay. and then the experience, yeah, with this guy. And that was. That was the intro. Okay. And then I forgot to ask this earlier. Did either of you ever get any like lessons or messages about the ideas of consent? I don't think so. No, nothing mm-hmm. beyond like, actually, no, I'd say no. Like there was plenty like through social media mm-hmm. being a bit of a hot topic and all that, but no, not really. Okay. Andy, you're, you're my generation. So I feel like probably not. I feel like some of the younger people are getting it now, but like, oh, we're screwed. Just like the general stuff. But I feel like, you know, like don't rape and stuff like that. And I remember hearing that and it's like, well, yeah, of course. So that was right. about like the extent of it. Yeah. yeah. And then will you just give us an overview of like the health and safety conversations that you have with partners and how much you communicate with them about sex ahead of time? Okay. So how much do we communicate? A ton, like a ton, a ton, a ton. A lot of the girls that we meet are through one of our Tinders, like either my Tinder or Imogen's Tinder. And on both Tinders, we have like, we make it clear, like we're into BDSM, we're in an open relationship, we're happy to teach, like all of that kind of stuff. So it's very clear, like, obviously we're going to have sex. It's going to be like this kind of stuff. We will then, depending on her experience level, we do this for pretty much every girl, but especially if it's a girl who hasn't had a threesome or hasn't been with another woman or who hasn't done any sort of like, you know, kinkier sex or toys or anything like that, we make it really damn clear. We literally say, 
we want you to have fun. It's only fun if you're having fun. You know, if there's anything you're not into, tell us. We'll go slow. We'll try a few things. We'll see what you like, that kind of stuff. And then we talk about it on the date. Imogen will usually say, like, what stuff have you tried? Because we'll go and have, like, a proper date. We mm. don't just get them yeah. to come straight over. Yeah. And she'll say, like, what stuff have you tried? What are you not into? Is there anything you would never try? Is there anything that you fantasize about? All that kind of stuff. And then we kind of really just talk, like, a ton during the sex. We're, we've never, we're into BDSM. And I know for a lot of BDSM people, it's like, they have the mindset of once you're in the bedroom, there's kind of like, you don't want to ruin the scene. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like you're not mm -hmm. supposed to break the fourth wall. Mm -hmm. I know not everyone is like that, but a lot of BDSM people are. And so we've always kind of, we've never really liked that. We've always like, it's like, we're all on the same team. We're all doing this together. Like, let's talk the whole time. Yeah. You don't have to be perfect. You're allowed to say, stop. You're allowed to say, I don't like that. You don't have to put on this persona. We're not playing a movie. Okay. Like we're not actors. So, so we will talk like a million times throughout the sex itself. Like, how does that feel? Is that good? Do you want to try this toy? Hey, look at this toy. Do you like that? Yeah. That's sort of how we do it. Anything you want to add? Yeah. I mean, in, in terms of, I guess, like sexual health, like we generally mention to girls we haven't seen before that, you know, we both get checked up a couple of times a year and we'll either use like condoms or Andy has also had a vasectomy. So kind of just ticking off various boxes. Okay. And I heard you say the word stop. Is that your safe word or do you establish safe words or is it just you just listen to the real words and take them at face value because you're not deeply in a scene or a character, it sounds like? Yeah, it's, it's definitely something where we talk about it or before it even gets to the stop, we, especially with girls that we haven't seen before and we're kind of getting a feel for everything, we like to go, like it's almost, it's a fun thing. It's like it makes it more pleasurable when you go really, really slow. You do a lot of teasing. And then after you do like any little thing you ask, like, does that feel good? Like, how does that feel? Like more is dirty talk than mm -hmm. it is technically checking in to see where they're at, but it's different. It's integrated for sure. We use it more like dirty talk to kind of introduce teasing and getting her to say what she wants, etc. Okay. Okay. But there's not, you don't have like a formal conversation about like, you're agreeing to serve me and here's your safe words and here's what you do. Okay. 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 I, I mean, if we ever did that, it would be like for a specific scene. Like yeah, if yeah. she said to us, I really want to be your slave, then yeah. we would have stuck. Like we have one girl we're saying who likes to do like pet play, okay. which is where you pretend to be like a fox or something mm -hmm. on all fours, all of that. Mm -hmm. And so for that, yes, we will say like, if you don't like something, say stop. Cause kind of what she likes to do is not say any words. Like mm -hmm. she's supposed to be submissive. She's not allowed to talk. So before that, yeah you obviously have to say, like, if you don't like something, you need to say stop. Great, like, great. Okay. I just like, because some people do have different safe words, so I just like to check in about that. And then do you ever ask your partners, your new partners, if you don't know them well, do you ask them to get tested ahead of time? I heard you say that you let them know about your testing regularity, but do you ever ask to see a test or ask them to get tested? Not particularly, no. Most of the girls that we see are, like, very inexperienced and stuff like that. So, yeah. I know someone who got herpes when she lost her virginity because she thought her partner was a virgin. And there's lies. So just saying. <laughs> but it sounds like you guys have been lucky and you haven't encountered any uh, anything that would require some drugs to fix. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, 
And once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I, too, love having a hard cock. Blue Chew and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is BlueChew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. Yeah, surprisingly enough, a lot of the girls that we meet are like close to virgins like have had one sexual experience and that's, that's the extent enough of to, it. Get, to get something i will just let you know it only takes one time to get herpes <laughs> and i just i i'm always on team super safety so i always ask people because mm -hmm. this isn't a thing that we talk about very much and people are still super awkward and like i have herpes in my throat because the guy who fucked me even though we had multiple conversations about disclosures didn't tell me that he fucked a random chick without protection at a party. So even though we use protection for lower down penetration, we didn't use it for oral. And so I have herpes in my throat. That guy didn't want to talk about it. And so I always just make a point of being like, but can we talk about STIs? Did you get any? Have you ever had any? No, no, I haven't. No. Congrats. No, neither have I, no. Oh, lucky. Yeah. That's great. So let's dive in. I think actually we need to return to Andy because we have a gap now from your first experience that you told us about. And now I'm hearing BDSM, and it sounds like you're a top. <laughs> and so can you just fill in the gaps for us? Sure. So I had no interest in like BDSM. I had kind of the opposite sexual experience or sexual awakening as Imogen. Imogen was very like, you know, abusive porn, all of that kind of stuff, like the very hardcore stuff. And I shied away from that. For, for years, I couldn't look at anything that wasn't just like either one girl naked by herself or lesbian porn. Mm. If there was a penis there, it's like, no, that's too abusive. Like, I just... <laughs> once I lost my virginity, it was, it was a different story. But before that, I was just like, no, that's like, that's too much. Like, you know, girls are delicate flowers and women don't like, you know, penises and hands and men. Like I, I had very crazy puritanical views. Okay. And so I had a couple of relationships and there was like nothing kinky. It was like missionary sex, like all of that sort of stuff for probably like eight years in total. So it wasn't until I was about like 27, 28 that I stumbled upon an article which I found completely by accident that said like lots of women like rougher sex. Here's how to spank and choke women. And I was like, this is abuse. This guy needs to go to jail. This is like a criminal, like all of that kind of stuff. Right? All, all of those feelings came up. I went away and I was like, how can this happen? How, women wouldn't like this. Women like to just like hold hands and look in candles and look into each other's eyes and stuff. I came back to it a few weeks later. I don't know why, but like it was just on my mind. And I came back and I read a few more articles and I did some research. Because and... you're kinky. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that's but why. At the time, <laughs> at the time, I, I don't usually stick to why, but it's like just because you're kinky. We know it now. <laughs> yes. And so I came back to it and I, I tried some stuff with a, a girl that I was seeing at the time. And like, I was so timid. I, I went to spank her, but I, I basically barely touched her. And she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, oh, nothing, 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 nothing. I was just putting my hand there. And then, you know, I spoke to her about it and I said like, have you ever thought about spanking and stuff like that? And she was like, I don't know, maybe. And so we tried a few things 
And she had no idea what she was doing either. Mm. But a few of the things that I tried, like spanking her a little harder, she moaned. And that was the moment where I was like, oh my God, like this is hot. Mm. Now I get it. Like, because I thought that it, people got off on, you know, kinkier sex or something from just doing the action. Yes. Like if I just hit someone, it's hot. Yeah. That's not the part that's, that turns you on. It's their reaction to it. Yeah. And so I didn't have that reaction because I was just reading an article right. that said, like, you should spank women. And I was like, well, that's boring. But you try it, they moan, and then you go, oh, I get it now. Yeah. I get it now. Yeah. So that was kind of my transition yeah. to BDSM. Well, and that's a completely different framework. I remember pre-kinky me that was, like, still very horny all the time. Like, always trying to fuck, yep. always trying to figure out how to have the, like, transcendent sex that I read about and saw. And, you know, and I was having, like, you know, mediocre sex where I was like, I don't. Where are they? Who is that person? How do I how do I connect? I think something's missing. And I remember when I was first exposed to some of the ideas around kink, I was like, oh, that's abuse. Like, I don't. And yeah. I was still the person that was like trying to get my fuck buddies who I trusted because I'd been sleeping with them off and on for a decade to like hit me. And we didn't know what the fuck we were doing. So I got a black eye. And then I had to lie about it. And then people thought I was getting abused, you know, so it was a whole messy thing. But I remember that part of me that just didn't have the context, you know, didn't. And, yeah. and even when I was like, yes, I want to get tied up. And, you know, I, I went to go meet my first dom. It was just like, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing until, like you said, that feeling hit. Okay. So the feeling hit you. And then what happened? You got a moan. What did this moan lead to? I mean, just like everything that we could think to try. And unfortunately I broke up with her like a few months later for other unrelated reasons. Yeah. We'd kind of been on a, a downward path, but in that time, we explored like a lot of stuff. Like we didn't try any toys or ropes and stuff. I wasn't quite ready to jump into that because okay. that felt like as soon as I buy that stuff, oh, now I, I'm taking it seriously. Yeah. And I was still too, I, I wanted to call myself Mr. Vanilla who just happened okay. to try a few things. But I held off on that for several years as okay. well. Like I, I dated quite a few women casually, a couple of long-term relationships in there as well. But one of my friends was very kinky okay. and he would tell me all the time he would buy, you know, toys and ropes and restraints and vibrators and all that kind of stuff. And he'd say, you know, if you ever want to borrow a rope for like your girlfriend, you can. And I'd be like, no, 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 that's disgusting. That's like, permanent. I can't do that stuff. Like I still had all these like puritanical notions. Even but... though you it was like friend approved. Yes. Okay. And can you locate us here in your late 20s at this point? That would have been God. And let's just say like 29, 30. Okay. It was sometime around 31 that I finally gave in and said, okay, I'm going to try a toy, uh, like a vibrator. and then. That went well. Then I tried some ropes. And then from there, I was like, okay. Because again, you get that reaction. The yeah. women that you do it with absolutely freaking love it. And then you think, oh, this is fun. Why did I think this was weird? And then from there, I have in the other room, we should have done this podcast in the other room so I could show you. We have like a full wardrobe, like six shelves, and we must have like 50 things in there or something. So I tried that. Obviously, that was amazing. You know, and then from there, it was like adding, adding a toy here, a toy there, doing research, you know. Uh, there are different types of vibrators, uh, you know, mm -hmm. ropes versus you can get bondage tape, which is like masking tape. But it sticks to itself. Yeah, I love that stuff. Yeah. That's magic. It's yeah. absolutely magic. Stuff like that. And just trying restraints, different types of stuff, seeing how people react to it, learning that people have different preferences for what they like. Because yeah. I had the, you know, the very naive notion that like I went from one extreme to the other. I went yeah. from like no woman would ever like kinky sex to like, oh, I bet you every woman likes to be tied up. And then finding out you know, in there by asking some of them that they're like, I mean, we can try it. And you try it and they'd be like, yeah, it was okay. Yeah. And so like finding that people have different buttons that they like pushed and yeah. different things that drive them crazy, figuring out what some of them are. Some of them like whips, some don't, some like paddles, some like your hand, some just like to be gentle, some like rough. Yeah. 
So it's kind of like an exploration. And then I met Imogen. Okay, before we get to Imogen, though, I hear in your voice when you talk about that moan, how it shifted the paradigm for you. And I'm also curious about any other sort of, not like deep emotional, but maybe, but just the relational piece for you that dropped in. And did you find the connection with the people that you were experiencing as kinky different from what you'd previously experienced in your vanilla relationships? I had done kink for about like six months or so. And then I had a few LSD experiences by myself and also with girls that I was dating. Mm -hmm. And we would sit there and talk like, why do you, we'd just spend like 12 hours exploring Like, Why do you like kink? Why do you like this? Why does this turn you on? Why does spanking turn you on? Why does being tied up turn you on? Exploring the aspects of domination versus submission. I've done this with Imogen as well. We, we've tripped together and talked about all this stuff. And it was diving deeper on that, that, that put it all into place and made me realize like, oh, I really like kink. I really like domination and submission. And, you know, exploring topics like why does it turn you on, like you in particular, or anyone who's in the submissive position, why does it turn them on being choked? Mm -hmm. And, you know, exploring that in depth and saying, like, I don't think it's just that the other person has power and that they're stronger than you. It's something deeper than that. And we, we sat there and explored it and, you know, came up with ideas like maybe it's not that you're stronger enough that you could overpower them or kill them or hurt them. Maybe it's what that says. That means that, you know, with that, the flip side of that is that you're strong enough to protect them. And so simultaneously, do you feel you know, a small sense of danger, but also a strong sense of trust and yes. like being looked after. And so exploring all these sort of topics made me just go like really deep on kink and, and realize, oh, it's not just spanking someone. It's all these like psychological aspects at play. Like, you know, me looking after the submissive person, the submissive person, person feeling looked after by me, how that makes us both feel like it, it's human connection, all that. I, I sound like a hippie, but no. I love this kind of stuff. You're talking to someone who has transformed from like a military medical professional farm girl family into like a obsessive circle painter who's about to become a dominatrix because <laughs> just because of like obsession with sex. So like I lead a very like loving vibe here on the pod. And what I love about what you just said, what you just shared with us, when I hear you exploring the why, it's not the origin story of like, oh, why am I so fucked up? Like needing to find out the details of kink because I talk about this with my therapist. I've talked about this with other sex therapists. There are no studies done on origins of like why people have kinks. So when people try to examine like why they're kinky, sometimes there are lines that people identify with and it helps them anchor themselves in that identity. That's great. But for other people I've encountered, I see people like reaching to like psychoanalyze themselves. And so I just want to highlight that I love that you're talking more about like, how does it make me feel now together in the present, in this connection, in this relationship? What's yummy about it? Yeah. I also just want to like ask a clarification question because we're talking about tripping. You're talking during this trip. You're not doing any sort of physical strong thing are you at some points we did so we talked okay. for like a long point of time and we were very careful about that because obviously when you're tripping it's like i just want it to be very explicit for the audience when you say the word experiment like what are you doing to make sure that your physical bodies are safe when it's getting under the influence of a substance anyone listening who's never taken any sort of substance absolutely do not freaking do it like I, like and that's not me being a hypocrite and saying like oh look like i i researched for years i had trips like 30 40 50 times before even attempting like with someone else so but in terms of like that sort of stuff going ridiculously slow having a conversation you know talking for hours at this point you already trust each other and, and just going gentle so like you put your hand there and say how does that feel and then you take it away and they say like, oh and then you explore for half an hour 
why did that feel good? Then maybe you try a little harder, but great. Like obviously being really freaking careful because on LSD or something like that, you can terrify the crap out of someone. Yes. So yes. anyone listening, yeah, please don't do that unless you know what you're doing. Great. Thank you for going down that safety walk with me. Okay. So Imogen, will you please fill in the gaps now from that early experience up until meeting Andy? So when I actually had my first experience with a guy, that was when like I'd lost my virginity and I just really wanted to explore sex like ASAP. So I hopped on Tinder. I met one guy before Andy. It was like a non meeting really. Like it, it was okay. And it was kinky as well. I think at that point I didn't really want to seek out any sort of vanilla sex like at all. I was just like, that didn't appeal to me. I didn't want that. I think I tried it once before meeting Andy and I was like, just that I didn't really feel anything. Can you say why? Because I, I totally understand this, but I just want to hear your version of the words. I think my understanding of it was, it was like a desensitization in a similar sense that like normal vanilla porn just like wouldn't cut it. Like I would feel close to nothing because I was probably going down a slightly extreme route that it just needed to escalate and escalate and escalate and only something more intense or full on would satisfy that sexual itch. And so when it kind of like toned way down, it just, I didn't feel much of anything. I think because I was so desensitized to it all. Mm, okay. And so it was actually only until I'm probably skipping ahead, but it was only until after I had met Andy and eventually when like we were further into a relationship, maybe like say six months down the track that I started being more open to like feelings and like slower, more like sensual connected sex got it yeah i have a little like sexual noodle in my head about kink and why i like it so much i think i'm a person that has like immense enthusiasm especially when it comes to <laughs> sex like i'm just like like i'm very horny i want it and i grew up thinking that men just wanted to have sex all the time so i was gonna have a great time because all i had to do was go out and be like okay i'm ready you know and that's that's the cultural <laughs> narrative that i was fed and I get rejected so, so much because I overwhelm people and because I intimidate people when I'm just like, well, you want to fuck me? And they're just like, no. And I'm like, you don't. And they're like, I do. And I'm like, why are you yelling at me? Just have sex with me. You know, and so the reason that I'm obsessed with sex and have this podcast is because I had so many failure feelings and like no idea why, because the culture told me that I should be fine. Mm. And now I'm like, wait a second. I think kink creates a container for all of my big huge feelings and also for my avoidant relational personality to drop in and connect deeply in a way that allows for like deep sexual gratifi gratification oh god gratification <laughs> gratification thank you you know so i just want to hear how that lands with you or if you have a similar or different experience there is i think definitely an element of that i think when I first started exploring, like actually having kinky sex, it definitely wasn't, I think for me, it was purely physical. Mm. I think it was like a very, okay, that's not necessarily true. There was definitely a psychological element, but I don't think any of that for me personally involved intimacy. It was just, it was a very, I guess, like stimulating experience. Mm. So I was, I was definitely getting that out of it. Yeah. Just removing any of the more emotional things, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Andy, what's your experience like? So in order for me to have kinky sex and most of the people that, that I've had kinky sex with, so this is my experience, 
you have to do things that you don't do in a normal sexual experience. Yeah. You have to talk. You yeah. have to be able to communicate. You have to be able to say, I don't like this. Can you try something else? You have to be able to say, like, the goal here is for me to get off and for you to get off or for at least us to have a good time. So if something isn't working, we're not working towards the goal. So we got, yeah. we got to change it. Whereas normal sex, you can kind of just go through the motions. You're never going to go through the motions with kinky sex because the whole point was for you to have really good sex. It's almost more goal orientated. You're, you're meeting to have a good time. Yeah. Whereas a lot of the time with sex, it might just be to kill some time, to do something kind of fun because you think you have to in a relationship or, you know, it, it's not necessarily, there's not a goal that's planned. And so I think because of all of that, there's also the point that I made earlier that you have to talk more. Like, and so you're right. It's like, it is easier to connect because you're doing the things that make someone connect, which is communication, both working towards a goal together and doing everything you can to make it as fun as possible. So yeah. it is like turned up to a 10 rather than, yeah. you know, normal sex. There's nothing wrong with normal sex. You can do all those things with normal sex, by the way. Yeah. But you don't have to. Yes. Whereas with yes. kink, you do have to. It doesn't require the depth. Yeah. Lovers, we are going to take a quick pause for a word from our sponsor. And they have given me notes to do a sultry female voice. So I'm very excited and I'm going to do my best. Did you know the Flora app is a safe place to open up, embrace your desires, and find like-minded people? This is the story of one couple who found the threesome of their dreams, discovered a new level of shared passion, and stepped into a whole other realm of possibilities. All thanks to Flora. As life's routine settled in, Robert and Lucy found themselves yearning to explore uncharted territories. So they downloaded Floor and embarked upon a thrilling journey of sensual experimentation, learning more about each other's desires in the process. Open-minded and adventurous, Robert and Lucy dreamt of adding a new dimension to their intimacy, sharing the touch of another woman, being witnessed and connecting in a way that transcends the ordinary. In Floor's diverse and accepting community, Lucy connected with Emily, a babe craving the same experiences. So they invited Robert to the conversation. The chemistry built and anticipation heightened as they exchanged messages until finally their agreed-upon date night arrived. A gorgeous hotel was the setting for their evening of pleasure, passion, and connection. A shared exploration that fulfilled each party's desires. Floor app celebrates the beauty of open-minded connections. It's a platform where fantasies come to life and desires are embraced without judgment. For couples seeking adventure with others or individuals keen on exploring, Fleur invites us all to a world where every desire is a possibility waiting to unfold. Download Fleur now, express your desires freely, and find like-minded people today. I also think, I know a lot of people who are very vanilla and they love just having the goal of being, you know, to get off kind of as fast as possible with like, you know, the one, two, three, boom, boom, boom pleasure. <laughs> and I just like, I, I love how you pointed out like kink, it's not just... Yeah, it's not just about getting off. It's about getting off with kind of maximum pleasure. And like, I think what I'm hearing in your share and what I experience in my life is also just like the exploration that comes with it and how each person is so different. Like sometimes you get a fox and that's awesome. Yeah, you seem like the kind of person that wants to like figure out how humans work and how everyone works and how everyone's different and, and all that kind of stuff. We're both the same. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm a, I get confused by new patterns, so I'm just trying to learn all the patterns that I possibly Yeah, me can. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, so now you've met. What happened next? Go, 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 tell us. Well, I think from there, I mean, it did like our relationship was fairly casual for quite a while oh. and it was purely sexual. We like explored a lot together because I think we both have quite a high sex drive yeah. and we're both very sexually curious and open, so I think that was just a good match and we spent quite a while 
just exploring things together. And then I guess as time kind of, well, I guess it, it's probably worth talking about our first experience with a girl together. We could probably actually circle back to the girl that I had my first female experience with. Mm-hmm. So I had actually told her that I was seeing Andy. This was very, very early on, maybe like the first month of me um, just having met Andy. Things were very casual. And me and this friend of mine, we always had this joke that like we were going to have a threesome together at some point if we found a, like a guy that we were like really into or the sex was really good. And so <laughs> so offhandedly one time, Andy basically just mentioned like, do you want to like offer for said friend to join and I was like okay and then I sent her a text and she was like okay wait how did you (laughs) phrase it like what did you were you just like hey want to come have a threesome with me and Andy it it probably wasn't too different to that yeah it was I guess nonchalant and then it happened it's worth also mentioning I think that she hadn't had penetration with a guy at that point okay and yeah that was our first threesome and it was a hell of a lot of fun (laughs) And then from, yeah, from there, I guess it just got the ball rolling. And at the start, Andy would primarily introduce me to girls that he was seeing and we'd kind of see them together. And then from there, I guess it's evolved more as we got into a relationship over a year or so. It turned into us being a couple and us kind of seeking out girls together as two people looking to have threesomes. Okay. So is that the structure of your openness or do you also date separately or kind of just give us like a concrete overview of your relationship and then we'll dive into details at this point in time yeah we only see girls together as a couple okay for the first couple of years because probably only in the last year or so that we've established that prior to that I guess starting from the start about six months in I pretty definitively said like I don't really want to see other guys that Mm -hmm. feels weird for me I'm not enjoying it so I don't want to do that anymore and of course like Andy was obviously fine with that and he was seeing other girls at the time which was yeah kind of just the way it was for a little while and then it basically just developed into a point where I tried dating other girls on my own and Andy was seeing other girls on his own and then it's kind of just morphed into us preferring to always share the girls because it it almost feels as if like something's missing if the other person at least for me Mm. like speaking if I'm having a fun sexual experience with someone I want to be sharing the experience with Andy because that would make it more fun or more enjoyable and that yeah it's almost as if something's missing if I was to just see a girl on my own anything to add I concur (laughs) okay will you just tell us some specifics some details from what are some of your favorite things to do to each other with each other as in privately or in a threesome all of it oh god okay jesus christ like in your sex life what are just what do you love about sex maybe just start start with the broad overview just like what are some things you love about sex and having sex and then we can we'll just jump off from there and dive into the kink specifics seeing my partner in pleasure there is nothing that turns me on more than seeing the other person either in pleasure or like begging for pleasure like in anticipation of pleasure so like that is my favorite thing to do like my favorite thing to do is like delay sex whether that's like edging or just teasing or sometimes i'm a bit of an asshole it's not asshole but you know i feel like an asshole we're watching a movie and i'll just start playing with your nipples and then she'll get really turned on and then my favorite thing to do is kind of you know i guess as a domination thing i'll just say like oh why are you why are you getting turned on and like do it in a matter of fact Mm -hmm. way and Mm -hmm. they'll be like please and they'll be begging and you'll just say why are you so horny i have stuff to do like come on what are you getting all (laughs) horny for i thought we were just hanging out like you know girls always have a one-track mind why are you so horny like can't you just why can't you just not use me for my body? Like, and, and, and just like kind of playing up that vibe until yeah. the other person is begging, like desperate. 
and you know grinding on you and and trying to make you hard and then i will get hard and you know there, there's been times where you basically jump on top of me and the whole time i'll be like what are you doing come on like i thought we we're just watching a movie and like and then at some point obviously you give up because you get really turned on to it so i love that kind of like delaying and teasing and and, and building it up making you want it more yeah mm. two things stand out in particular for me one is actually no, they, i guess they're both in threesome so when we see a new girl together particularly if she hasn't tried a lot before when we slowly introduce her to various things quite often what we like to do is actually have andy show the other girl on me and for her to see like what that looks like how i react Something that I really, really enjoy is seeing her reaction, particularly if she is somebody that's like a little bit giggly or surprised and seeing that like that look of just like surprise, like open mouth, like, oh, my God, like what's like what's this? It's like very Can new and novel. a specific example of like a, a snapshot that's in your brain? I'll tell you one and then you can and then you can see if it jogs your memory. The first kinky threesome I had, I was a submissive brought into this couple's dynamic and they had like a daddy baby girl thing. And I was so excited. It was my first time being beaten by someone who was not my master. And I will forever remember kneeling, holding his drink, which that was the first like service task I'd ever been given. I was like, this is weird. Like, I, I, like I, <laughs> I was like, I was just like kneeling, holding his drink, watching. And she was chained to the like, not chained, but like cuffed to the door frame. And was receiving, like, one of the most intense floggings I had ever witnessed in person. And while I enjoy impact play and, like, like to get hit pretty hard, I realized in that moment that I had never watched another woman get hit. And I was terrified. Like, I felt terrified. And in my brain, I was like, this is not for me. I don't know what I was thinking. This is terrible. I don't like BDSM. What was I thinking? And then when he like looked at me and was like, do you want to go? I was like, mm-hmm. like I, like I 100% <laughs> did. And then the whole time I was like, I'm not going to be able to be as good as her. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. You know? And I remember I was blindfolded at that point. And so I don't have like a visual from that moment. I only have like the body feeling of like wondering if I was ready to drop my key or if I was okay. And that was like when I got the most bruises on my ass ever. Like, and I was so proud later, <laughs> but I just remember like, staring at her beautiful body and like watching her get this beating and like checking in with myself and then like later being like oh that was crazy I want to do this all the time I love these you know like (laughs) and so just noticing that kind of like emotional roller coaster inside myself and I wonder if there are any like beautiful moments of I don't know it's not even connected just like frames that jump out at you from experiences with different like torture or beatings or whatever what do you enjoy the most sounds like I hear ropes I hear bondage tell us some specifics that stand out for you if we're talking like one specific experience, this one was actually probably more sensual than anything. It was a girl that we, it was like the first or second time that we'd seen her. And she, like when we say she was a virgin, she hadn't tried anything. She'd never kissed a guy or girl. She'd never, and then obviously everything from there onwards. Yeah. So like no hand holding, no like oral, no finger, like nothing. Even like kissing was a really big deal for her. And so she was like really nervous too. And she wanted to try it. She was just, she had this big thing about like not doing a good job. And it was kind of something that we had to talk her through quite a bit. And it was exactly like what what I said before, where like Andy would kind of show her what it was like kissing me. And then like eventually she had a go. And specifically the kissing experience with her kind of, she had kissed me and we were exploring that. 
and making out a little bit. And then when she pulled away, her just being very like smiley and giggly and also just like having really enjoyed it and like that being the first time, I think that stands out as something that was really, really pleasurable and really hot about. And I think that's something that we like a dynamic that we really enjoy. Yeah. It's also so beautiful to gift a human being with that intro experience. But also, did you spoil her for the rest of her life? (laughs) Well, it kind of just worked out that we only ended up seeing her a few times. Mm -hmm. I think it was just like her personal circumstances. Quite a few version girls now. And like, this is their first experience with both of us. If any of you are out there, please tell us if you feel like you got spoiled and if you've had any partners live up to those standards since, because it sounds like you're <laughs> gifted a wonderful introduction. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess it's just a case of we, we don't necessarily know how, you know, when we eventually like stop seeing somebody for whatever reason, we don't necessarily know what a virgin girl would then, like, yeah. well, I guess not anymore, ex-virgin girl would then go on to do. It's yeah. It's hard to say from our perspective. I'm just speaking from the perspective of someone who is having trouble kinky dating after a first like amazing experience. So I'm always just curious when I hear, you know, when I hear those things, I'm just projecting that. Okay. So Andy frames, standout frames. What do you love? I think one standout frame was the first threesome that we ever had with you and, and your best friend just watching. Cause that was my first experience. I'd watched like a lot of lesbian porn and stuff like that. And we went back to my place. They both had like half a glass of wine and then they just jumped on each other. That was her and her best friend who'd already fooled around together. It was yeah, those two yeah. girls. And, and so they'd already had that one fooling around experience and they were clearly like crazy and they just like launched themselves at each other. And like, I was watching that. And so there was this moment for the first, like I let them do their thing for the first 15 minutes. And I was like, I don't want to interrupt. Cause that would be like, I don't know, almost rude. Cause like, cause there'd be a penis. No, not even that. It was more <laughs> just like they'd wanted each other for so long that I could, I could tell that. And so I was yeah, like, yeah. I should let them have, fun together like I shouldn't make this about me at least in this moment but then there was a a feeling where I was like wait what if I get left out and I was like oh my Mm. god and I was like I'm in my apartment what if I don't get what what if I have to go sit outside on the balcony and cry by myself or something and like I had those feelings and then you were obviously into me and so you kissed me like obviously but then I I went to kiss her and I, I had this moment where I was like what if she doesn't like me what if this was just an excuse to have sex with Imogen and like my apartment was convenient and she, you know, I'm supposed to go into the kitchen and get the water and, and yeah. be the, I'm going to be the servant holding the water. Oh, like you no, were. yeah. <laughs> Only if you want to. <laughs> I didn't want to, but she kissed me back and she was really into it. And so that moment, it was like, it was weirdly like validating as in like, oh, this isn't yes. just this, like, they're not both using me. Not that I thought you were using me, but they're not yeah. both using me. I get to be a part of it. Cause up until that point, I'd always thought like something like a threesome was you know, fantasy. It's not real. No one ever actually does that for real. And I almost didn't believe it until that moment where I was like, oh crap, they're both into me. This is three people connecting rather than something in porn. And yeah, so that's probably my standout moment. But other than that, there's other little standout moments. Like sometimes we will do this thing where we're having sex with a girl or something, and maybe she's looking the other way or we blindfold her or something like that. And we will look at each other and like mouth stuff to each other and say like secret code words. Like we'll be like, I love you so much or something. We'll mouth that. We will mouth something that we're going to do or we'll tell each other a joke. Sometimes we just stand like that. And so it's like this weirdly like intimate, like a couple's thing that she doesn't know about. And sometimes later on we tell them about it, but Mm -hmm. it's weirdly, it's like we can connect as a couple Mm -hmm. with the third person there. And then because we're in that good place where we feel very good, it feels like we have a lot of like love to give to that person. If you know what I mean? 
And so it, that's just like a really nice, every threesome that we've had, or like 95% of them, I'd say it feels very like loving. Cause I think that's one fear that a lot of the girls have either before they see us or, or afterwards, which is like, what if I'm just the unicorn? What if I'm just the third wheel? And I'm just kind of like, they'll just use me and then kick me out. Mm -hmm. It's been nice to kind of like look after them and make them feel good and show them like, and even tell them sometimes like, you know, you're not just some throwaway thing. Like we're glad you're here and all that. And that can only come if you're already in a good place, like between the two of you. Yes. I love hearing you say all of that. First, I want to circle back and just like highlight. I feel like threesomes are tricky. Threesomes with two women are tricky for a lot of straight dudes because there is this like holy grail thing. And I talk to so many people who want it. And so many people also have this, nervousness that you articulated so beautifully and i just love it because it's like normal but also like dudes aren't allowed to say those emotions and so i just like want to like say like (laughs) i'm so fucking glad you said that i'm also so glad that it was a great first situation okay here's my question threesome wise this is just to get into some details imogen am i correct in understanding you are submissive you have submissive tendencies yes i I would say like 95 percent of the time and being more dominant is only something that I've explored after having met Andy first with him. And then as we've become more of an established couple, me being dominant with other girls is okay. also something that I have explored as well. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> configuration wise, like what have you experienced? Is it usually two submissives, but now it sounds like maybe there's some switchiness, like, or is it like stacked ever? Or have you ever been dominated by a woman who's switching or have you ever been co-dominated? Like what are some of the how do you run your threesomes, basically? <laughs> Probably majority of the time, Andy is the one that is dominant and the other girl and myself will both be submissive. It is also fairly common for us, so Andy and I, to both be more dominant. Mm. And we actually like doing this like the first couple of times when we see a girl where she's like the center of attention mm-hmm. and we will both be dominating her and exploring, almost exploring on her body, seeing what she likes, trying yes. to make her feel good. Yeah. And that's kind of like the game. Like she'll be tied up and we would just like try a bunch of stuff and see what she likes, what feels good, teasing her for like the whole time. Mm. And that's definitely where I will be more dominant. We've had times where Andy has, the other girl hasn't necessarily been dominant. I'd still say she's being submissive, but he's almost coaching the other girl on yeah. how to do things to me that would be dominant, but she's still taking on a yeah. submissive role. Yeah. yeah. And then, We've had like one or two experience where I've been the predominantly dominant one. And while Andy isn't submissive, it's more me, I guess, teaching the other girl how to please Andy Okay, as oh. another dynamic. So things kind of switch around, but the, the standard template is like Andy is dominant. I will either be dominant or submissive and the other girl is almost always submissive. Okay. Do the configurations kind of come out of just the connection with the person in the moment or is it something that is part of the discussion ahead of time? So sometimes we will discuss it beforehand and we will literally decide as an Imogen and I will say like, okay, when we meet this girl, let's try this, let's do this, let's do this. Sometimes we'll tell them ahead of time. Other times we will play it by ear with who the person is. This is what we do most of the time. So if we were to meet someone who's like, you know, we we met a girl like what, two days ago, very sweet girl, she's adorable. And she was like very, very nervous and very inexperienced. She was a lesbian who recently decided like, I think I like guys. And so she's never been with a guy. She's only had like two sexual experiences with girls ever. Like, you know, a bit of fingering, bit of oral, that's it. And she wanted to try guys and she wanted to try a threesome. She wanted to try BDSM, all of this sort of stuff. And so for her, we even said this to her beforehand. And then we said it on the date. 
we're going to go really slow. Like you're a virgin when it comes to penises. Like we got to be gentle, lube, all of that kind of stuff. And you don't know what she said. I have no idea what BDSM is. All I know is that I want to try it. And so I was like, okay, well, we're probably not going to try much of anything. Like, like the first time we're not, I'm not going to tie you up. We're not going to do any of that, but we will just explore some stuff and see what you like. Maybe we'll try some spanking. We ended up spanking her a little bit, but that was about it. Really gentle. Like if someone is very inexperienced or if they say they're very nervous or if, you know, we go on the date and they're clearly terrified, then we will not really do as much of the dominant submission stuff. It's more just like, as you said, they'll be the center of attention. Most of the time we don't even use a rope or a blindfold or any toys or anything if they're nervous. And we'll just kind of try a bunch of stuff, like a little bit of oral playing with nipples. Maybe I will teach her how to go down on Imogen. You know, the girl that we just saw who was a virgin, like she was really keen to try a blowjob. So I had to kind of teach her like, don't use your teeth. That mm-hmm. actually really hurts, mm-hmm. you know, stuff like that. Unless you're someone who's into biting, which I've met those people now. And it was recently recommended to try biting at the base of a cock while deep throating. Just throwing that out there. I got that from a listener. Okay, we, get, we'll, we will try that after the call. <laughs> Let I'm me know how it goes. Now, but not on the tip. The tip's sensitive. Yeah, not on the tip. No, but I did have a lover recently that like was like, try biting like a hot dog, like like a corn on the cob type bite. Like, And he really liked that. So some people, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Anything I is think possible. that might be a bit too much to me, but I can see why people like pain. I, so yeah, I some people are into it. Okay, so you taught her no teeth. Taught her no teeth, tried a bunch of stuff, but to circle back to answer the question, yeah, if someone's very inexperienced or, or any of that sort of stuff, we just kind of won't do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I guess we are still being dominant because like, we're taking the lead. We're yeah. doing literally everything, yeah. and she's just kind of accepting and, and trying stuff okay. then obviously once we get to know someone a little more then we'll ramp up the you know and even some one thing that i like doing is even people who are very submissive i like teaching them how to be dominant i mean you had never been dominant in your entire life and you had she imogen had no idea how to do it. i had to teach yeah. her i had to walk yeah. her through it as she's doing it. and we really like that with a girl who's like never tried any domination ever and would never in a million years do it and says like i would never do that i wouldn't be into that and i'll say like Okay, well, how about next time we try? I'll just try telling you some things. And every time when they try it, like I'll, I'll tell them how to spank Imogen and they'll try mm. it once and they'll go, oh my God, why is that so much fun? Mm. And so like, we haven't found a person who, a submissive person who doesn't like to at least try it once. Yeah. Every single time they're like, okay, maybe I don't want to do that all the time. Mm-hmm. I want to be 99% submissive, but it is, I, I have to admit it is fun just once in a while. It's like role playing once in a while. I feel like for me, when my submissive heart knows that somebody wants something, I'm just doing it in service, even if it looks like I'm being dominant. That's what Imogen says. Yes, I'm being submissive by being dominant. Yes, yeah. yes. Can you just give us a list of some of the kinks or toys or explorations or configurations or positions that you love that we just haven't touched on yet? Just because like there's so much to cover. I think I could talk to you for hours, but just like list some of the stuff we haven't gotten to. I've heard rope. I've heard bondage. I've heard spanking. What toy specifics, what comes to mind? Oh my God, absolutely everything. It, if I can not give toys, then stuff like probably doggy style while kissing from behind is my absolute favorite. Ooh. Coming on both of your faces while you two are making out. That's like, that's got to be my absolute, that's like my that's hot. dream fantasy. We've done that so many times. That's like, that's peak. I hate that it happens after orgasm or during orgasm because I want to keep going more afterwards because I find it so hot. So that, that's one edging orgasm denial like not letting you orgasm making you spend hours and hours and hours on the edge stuff Mm -hmm. like that stuff in public like a vibrator in your panties and then pretending and i have the remote control Mm -hmm. and then when a waitress comes over or something or you're at starbucks and you say like hi i'd like it oh god (laughs) what about you 
God, that covers it. I mean, in terms of toys, yeah, we mentioned like rope, tape, handcuffs, and then I guess other toys like butt plugs. Yeah, butt plugs, vibrators. Something we also like is like just generally like role play, costumes and toys. So like, I mean, I guess like a dynamic that we like to play into. Obviously, it, it lends itself well to like dominant submissive. It was like a daddy and like little girl type dynamic. So like lots of like cute things or we talked about pet play. Are you a pet? I, I do. Yeah, I do like with like that sort of dynamic. And again, I think it ultimately just comes down. It's almost like a, a heightened sense of submission, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, that sort of thing. So we really like various costumes and we mentioned butt plugs. Wait, what kind of costumes and what kind of pets and what size butt plugs and what shape? And is it the kind of balls or is it like a metal one? Okay, so if we're talking butt plugs, I think my favorite is definitely the like the metal ones that kind of like stick in and like stay there. And then we've got a couple that are like tails okay which is like for like pet play and things like that so you've got ears and that's kind of like the little costume and then other costumes so like obviously with like the the daddy little girl dynamic you're talking like cute skirts frilly things like socks with frills and panties with like strawberries and cute shit on them (laughs) yeah that sort of stuff I mean when I have taken on a more dominant role like I'll have like high leather boots Mm -hmm. and latex kind of like tight fitting black leather that sort of vibe so probably the number one fantasy that i hear from people is about group sex and specifically threesomes can you share your wisdom in the personal way of like here's what i've learned works really well and then also maybe let us know kind of like how you handle aftercare and like like a social element of the ins and outs and then like how you reconnect afterward and like do you talk about it etc I think that the best thing that has worked for us that almost always means that everyone has a good time is just being very open and vocal. And I think Andy mentioned it before, but Mm -hmm. when we first meet someone and we go on a date or we've like gone to a bar and we're grabbing a drink and we're all just talking, that sort of dynamic still like phases in and out during sex. And we mentioned before the way that we like to do things, we don't have like a specific start and stop to a scene it's more that like you know someone will try being more dominant and then sometimes halfway through like we'll stop and we'll just like cuddle and have a chat and sometimes just like talk about normal stuff like work or whatever else and because I think we established that dynamic that is very easygoing it's not too formal it's not too serious it means that in the middle of sex we've I guess created an environment where another girl can say like that doesn't necessarily feel so good or can we try this or I'd prefer this. It kind of guarantees that there's not that situation in which a girl is in a situation and because she's submissive Mm. and she's not necessarily enjoying herself but she doesn't want to say anything because she doesn't want to feel awkward or she doesn't want to ruin the moment and so she's kind of just like trapped there Mm -hmm. and not having a good time. And I think the reason we've been able to avoid that is because – we just talk so much. Fuck yeah. We even had a girl that we were seeing for a little while and she even said like from that point in time she'd only had a boyfriend and she'd actually said that the sex that she had with her boyfriend was always just like quiet. Like they didn't really say anything. Yeah. And she was like this is really nice like yeah. that you can just like talk and that yeah. she's never really done that before. Yeah. So I think that would just be like number one tip is just like I think because like you said the idea of a threesome gets built up into like this like this big deal and it's like this serious thing I think because sometimes it it can be taken too seriously because it is put on this pedestal 
you kind of just forget that it's just three people sharing an experience, Mm -hmm. trying to have a nice time Mm -hmm. and a a fun sexual experience, that it it doesn't have to be a big deal. And once you take away the gravity of it all, it makes it more enjoyable because incidentally you can kind of let go. I think honestly, the number one tip I'd give is like, it's not even like how to have a threesome. It's you're allowed to have a threesome. Because that was what I needed to hear. Because I didn't have that in my head for, for most of my life. I was like, threesomes are in porn or Hollywood. Like, that's for cool guys, right? That's mm-hmm. for, like, players or that's for, like, girls who are comfortable with their sexuality. That's not for, like, normal guys who mm-hmm. don't know what the hell they're doing. So I wanted one for my entire life. But it was like a pipe dream. It was like, that's I'm not allowed to have that. That's not me. That's not Andy. Andy's not cool enough to have that. I got to a point where I was, I would have been, like, 31, where I was like, do you know what? I'm sick. I think I want a threesome. I think I actually want a threesome. And we had our first threesome within two months. Like, and we, I hadn't even met Imogen at that point. So it's like, but I, I gave myself permission. And, and then from there, we've had like, God knows how many threesomes at this point, but that only happened because I said, do you know what? I think I'm allowed to, like, mm. I'm not going to sit here and wait until someone gives me permission or I don't have to be like a cool enough person or sexually experienced enough or confident enough. None of that really matters. Like you're not going to be confident the first threesome you have. You're going to be terrified. I was goddamn terrified. So were you. And we were all drunk and I was still terrified. So if anyone wants a threesome, like you have to make it happen. It, It does kind of have to be up to you. But the first thing I'll say is like you're allowed to. And often I find if I tell someone that, because, you know, I have my own podcast. When I say you're allowed to have a threesome, the people that are going to make it happen will hear that and go, okay, okay, okay. And then they go and have fun. And then tell me just briefly, how do you like to talk about it afterwards? Do you have a personal debriefing or is it all just done with the with the guest? Both, 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 okay. both, both, both. So we love just like hanging out after sex. We always like cuddling. Yeah. Like the girl that we saw two days ago, she's so goddamn affectionate. She, I went to the toilet, I come back and she's like grabbing on you and she's like, do you want to cuddle as well? She's like holding on to you. <laughs> so we like to lie there for a while and yeah. kind of just talk about it. Like, how was that? What did you like? Was there anything you didn't like? And, you know, what do you want to try next time? Blah, blah, blah. How are you feeling? Like, what are you doing when you go home? What are you having for dinner? Like that kind of stuff. And just hang out for a while. And then we walk them back to like, if they catch the train or an Uber or something, we'll walk them downstairs after a while. And then we usually pretty much every time. It's like our habit now. Imogen and I will go for a walk, usually in the afternoon or nighttime, depending on when we see them. We'll just Mm -hmm. immediately go for a walk for an hour and say like, how was that? That was fun. And then, yeah. I love that. That's beautiful. Is there anything that you still want to explore sexually that you haven't gotten to yet? Yes is the answer. Everything. (laughs) We like the idea of a sexual bucket list. I think this is actually close to when we met each other. And he suggested that I write a sexual bucket list. And because we are both fairly sexual people, our lists are very, very, very long. (laughs) (laughs) And like I've still got that list written, tucked away on my phone somewhere. And we wouldn't have even gotten through much of it and it's like it's all sorts of things like things that we haven't tried are either specific like positions with other girls or whether that's trying like very specific role play ideas domestic servitude isn't something we've explored in great deal or sometimes there'll be something on the list for example like pet play there's like hundreds of different things you can do that we would maybe like to explore again or explore in more depth for example I think just off the top of my head with the pet play thing I've never tried, for example, like eating out of a bowl before. And maybe like that would be something to try. Mm-hmm. Lots of things like that. I guess various like situations in public. Like, for example, just like a random one just to say that I've done it is to like sex in an aeroplane bathroom. Yeah. Like, <laughs> totally. Just like strange things like that. I know one that Andy likes to poke fun at me for is that I want to see if I can have sex with someone whose name is also Imogen. 
I don't know why. <laughs> I've <laughs> I've just decided that that might be fun. Yeah. <laughs> also, it's nothing. It's not a name I hear every day. But how do I know who I'm talking to during it? <laughs> Hopefully you recognize the real Imogen's voice. <laughs> so, yeah, there's there's all sorts of, like, random things like that. But there's nothing that, I guess, stands out at this point in time. It's like, oh, I have, like, I'm desperate to try that. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, mm-hmm. there's this big list of things of, like, that could be fun. Maybe you should try that. Okay, this is, like, a little more esoteric version of this question. But what are your sexual hopes for yourself, like, for the rest of your life going forward? Like, what do you hope for your sexual self? For me personally, I think that this is a bit of a tangent, but I think like my body image and my self-esteem has never been amazing. And I think I'm always somebody, I think we're both people that always want to be working on ourselves and improving. And for me, I definitely have, I guess I'd call them aspirations as to how I want to like look and feel in my body purely from the angle of being confident. And I think then that confidence, like having an effect in the bedroom to kind of be able to be in that moment or be, you know, with Andy or with a girl and thinking like, I know I look good or I like, I feel really good in my body. And it's almost like this, not arrogance, but confidence of like, I know that this person is attracted to me. So that's definitely something that I'm continually working towards, working on my body, working on my self-esteem. So that's more like a general life goal, but I think it has a huge impact on, I guess, our sexual dynamic as well, mm-hmm. having that confidence. And then I guess projecting the future, just continuing to have experiences with girls. We touched on it before, but we really like the dynamic of the other girl being more submissive. Mm. And I think we are at this point in time looking to, I guess, establish something with a girl like as a more ongoing thing mm. for it to be like a primarily sexual dynamic, but for us all to almost like grow together yeah. as people while like sharing fun sexual experiences. Mine's honestly copy paste what she just said. My body, like I, I've never loved my body. I got to a point at the start of last year where I, I was really happy with my body. I had abs, I was muscular and stuff like that. And then lockdowns and mm. and COVID and all that sort of stuff, I, I got a bit fat. So I'd like to get back there and get mm. to a point where, you know, I like the way I look and because you get some nice feedback as well. People tell you like, oh, wow, you're so sexy. And that was something that I'd never heard in my entire oh. life. And so like guys definitely don't, I don't think guys get as many compliments with their body until no. they get to a point where they look. Well, and also when you do compliment them, they get fucking weird. So Because it doesn't happen so often that we yeah. don't know how to take it. We're like, oh shit, what do I say? I'm like so effusive and I like love people and I check in with them. I'm like, are you okay with compliments? And they're like, yeah. And then I do. And then they fucking poof. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a yeah, me problem. Compliments. And then on top of that, what Imogen said, which is, you know, mentoring girls and stuff like that. I think for the last like couple of years, I've been working on like my own business and building that up. And you've been, Imogen's been helping me. Beautiful. And the further we get in that, we want to start giving back to like girls that we date, if that makes sense, like giving them life advice. You know, a couple of the girls that we've dated have, have mentioned offhandedly, like, oh, I've always wanted to start my own business. So like mm. going a little deeper with that and saying like, you know, if you see us for long enough, you see us for a year, a couple of years, whatever it is, like I can help you with that. So, yeah. you know, building something with them basically. Okay. Lastly, if each of you could go back in time and give younger you a piece of sexual advice, what age or ages would you pick and what would you say? So for me, I think there's two occasions that I'd pick. I would go back to my 17-year-old self and say, for whatever reason you've decided that you need to lose your virginity, that is silly. You don't need to do that. Do not force yourself to drunkenly have sex with someone just because 
you think you need to get rid of your virginity. Mm. That is stupid. The second thing I would probably say to myself, maybe slightly younger, let's say like 15, 16, is probably a more personal one and it's more around like love and relationships, mm. not necessarily sex itself, but is that like love is okay. You're allowed to be in love and have feelings and romance and being in love isn't as terrifying as you think it is and you don't need to close yourself off to lots of feelings and things like that and i would give more like relationship advice but i guess it's kind of like sex yeah. advice I'd, yeah. I'd go back to me as like a 23 year old and then again as like a 27 year old the first two relationships i was in were went on for way too long the first one was like five years and the next one was like four years they were very unhappy i was unhappy we were both horrible to each other very toxic relationships but we stayed together because we thought like we can't find someone else or like that's it yeah. and so i had this notion that like I'm a failure. I'm a loser. I'm a zero, like all of that kind of stuff. I deserve this misery. I don't deserve a good sex life or a good romance life. And then when I finally got the courage up, thanks to my mom and a few other people to break up with the second girl, you know, after like four years and, and decide, no, I deserve better than this. Mm -hmm. From there, it's been a process of like learning and teaching myself like, no, I'm allowed to have whatever I want. If I want to have a nice, happy relationship, I, I deserve that. Yeah. And so the same with sex. So if anyone's listening and feels the same sort of way, like you don't have to stay in an unhappy, miserable, toxic relationship just because you think you can't do better. You can always do better, but you'll never do better while you're stuck there. Like you can't find someone better when you're in a bad relationship. Where can people find you on the internet? And tell us like what you actually do so that they can go find you. So we run a dating and sex podcast. It's very explicit. I'll say that off the bat. Very, very explicit. Great. I am very unpolitically correct, but we talk a lot about our own sex life. I come at it from a self-improvement angle of like how to make yourself a better person. It's generally oriented towards men, but you know, I have some female listeners and stuff. So that's kill your inner loser. And I'll give you the link to the YouTube channel. We've got a YouTube channel. Imogen comes on my podcast too sometimes. Beautiful. 